If you're a smoker or dipper looking to make a change, you really only need one reason to do it. But with Zen Nicotine Pouches, you can find many. Zen is America's number one nicotine pouch. It's made with only six simple ingredients. Plus, Zen is the only nicotine pouch with a 10-day hassle-free trial. There are lots of options when it comes to nicotine satisfaction, but there's only one Zen. Find your Zen online or in a store near you at zen.com slash find. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment... Oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. And what was it called? NLT. NLT. She yeah. clearly knows it is going. What does yeah. NLT stand for? That's my next question. What does it stand for, Kevin? <sighs> Not like them. Not like them. Yep. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. All boy band names are good. That's the thing about boy bands. <laughs> they all make sense and they're all good. Hi, my name is Jenna. And I'm Kevin. And we are best friends. <laughs> Give me a break. <laughs> Hello, everybody. It's me, Brian Baumgartner here. And welcome back to another episode of Off the Beat. Today, we have not one. No, we have two amazing guests a threesome, if you will. Kevin McHale and Jenna Ushkowitz will join me today. I am so excited to talk to them. They are both old friends of mine. You might know them from their time on Glee as Artie and Tina because, uh, correct me if I'm wrong here, but it is just one of those shows that everyone knows. Whether it's for the crazy storylines, the incredible cast, or... Well, that it came from genius Ryan Murphy. If you can dream it, it happened on Glee. I'm excited to jump right in here. We talk about their origins, Kevin's boy band, Jenna's Broadway career, and how their friendship has led them to their new rewatch podcast, and that's what you really missed. And most of all, you're going to hear all about Kevin's role on The Office. That's right. As a Kevin on The Office myself, I think we just, well, we just get each other. This is a fun one. Let's bring them on. Kevin and Jenna, everybody. Bubble and squeak. I love it. Bubble and squeak, I know. Bubble and squeak, I cook it every morning. Left over from the night before. What's up, you guys? What's up, Brian? Hey, how are you? <laughs> Good, Good to see you. you. I mean, it's been so long. It's been 84 years. <laughs> so 84? long. 
84 years. <laughs> it's been 56. Wow. Great to see both of you. You, you too. too. Immediately brings back memories. <laughs> I, I hope uh, good ones. Yeah. Oh, really good ones. <laughs> um, I Some of them we can't tell, but many, <laughs> many good ones. So this is my first threesome, by the way. Yes. Oh, my God. I'm so We'll honored. be gentle. It is. It's usually one on one here, but we're going we're going threesome today. <laughs> the more the merrier. So I'm gonna spend most of the time talking about when you guys were reborn. When you were reborn, meaning the day the two of you met mm-hmm. and started yeah. working together. But I did want to go back a little bit briefly individually. I guess ladies first, Jenna, your childhood. When did you start becoming interested in the arts? Well, um, I was always interested in the arts, I think, but I was put into the business when I was three. three. So I was doing commercials and print ads from three on. And okay. my first commercial was like the Toys R Us commercial. And then I started doing Sesame Street. And then <laughs> right around the age of nine, I auditioned for my first Broadway musical. And I had done school plays and things like that before. And I had done, you know, some commercials, but like this is a totally different caliber of work. So I auditioned for The King and I, um, the 1996 revival with Lou Diamond Phillips and Donna Murphy. And um, somehow I, I booked it. <laughs> there were 15 well, kids and somehow I booked it. <laughs> you did a number of shows on Broadway when you were very yeah. young, including yeah. Spring Awakening. Now, was your future uh, co-star involved at that time or no? Yes, yes. So Leah was in the original cast. Leah and Groff both were in the original cast of Spring Awakening, obviously. And then I joined at the tail end of their run and okay. into the new cast. So I got a taste of both casts of Spring Awakening. But yes, I was there. And Leah and I, Leah was on Broadway doing Les Mis when I was doing The King and I as well. So we had known each other since that time. Really? Was she mm-hmm. Cosette? Yes, little young Cosette. Young she Co- went with well, her friend. I knew to... that. <laughs> <laughs> she was old Cosette Imagine. at 11. It feels, oh. you know, it would feel appropriate for her character okay. Although, Rachel Berry yes, to be okay. like, I played Cosette <laughs> at the ripe age of eight. <laughs> yes. Wow. So you were on broad. Did you grow up in New York? Yeah. I grew up on Long Island. Okay. So I was very close to this, a straight shot to the city, if you will. Right. And this was, <laughs> I mean, when you're three and you're put into things, <laughs> yeah, this is not a choice. This is not a passion. By no. the time you're nine, are you full? You're full. I am. I am in. I am you're, locked and loaded. Okay. Um, it, honestly, it was like the Broadway camaraderie and family experience of doing a show um, of that size. It was like 52 cast members or something crazy like that. I was in love. I was the, you, my parents will tell you, I was the one, first one at the theater and the last one out. They'd be like, Where is Jenna? Please let, because they didn't let the parents backstage. So they'd wait at the stage door for me. It was a three hour show and they'd be like, Can, can she please come out and leave? They wouldn't let them backstage? No, is that normal? which is brilliant. <laughs> it is brilliant. It's brilliant. Is that normal? Or can they do that? How yeah, can they, they can because we have wranglers backstage that are hired to take care of us. So when the wranglers bring us to the door. Okay. And they're like, keep these crazy stage parents away. Now, I haven't talked to anybody about this. I've talked to plenty of people who did theater, but not. Now, are you are you schooling at this time as well? Well, so during rehearsals, during the six-week rehearsal, I was doing, um, we were homeschooled. We were tutored on set, basically. Tutored on set. Yeah. I was nine. I was in fourth grade. And so I would go to school, and then I would go do the show, except for Wednesdays when they let me, my parents let me take off because I had a matinee. Were you Were you doing all of them? Yeah. You, doing you, didn't, have a a du- you didn't have a double cast? No. It, it, it's. I think it's like six or seven that you can do it. Um, you can do the full show. So I was doing the full eight shows. My parents were driving me back and forth every day. And then I would go to school and then they would pick me up and we'd drive to the city. Wow. Yeah. That is insane. 
It's and pretty I awesome. I feel so <laughs> bad for your parents. Yeah, I know. I know. Right. I mean, I was doing not to make this about me, but I was doing the eight shows a week thing mm-hmm. as well. But when I was fully able to drive myself or get myself somewhere, I wasn't reliant on, I mean, that's significant. Yes. Yeah. It's hard because a lot of parent uh, kids were like, I want to do that. And a lot of parents would ask my parents, like, how do you do it? And my dad was able to work out of the offices when cell phones were just starting to like be a thing and um, pagers. I remember if I would get a call back, my agent would page my dad Mm -hmm. and then we'd have to call them back. But like, you know, it was just one of those times where my my mom had stopped working when she had my brother and me. And so like or when they adopted me, but like when, you know, she was able to take me up to the auditions and my dad would wait in the car or circle around or double park and like work while he was doing that. So it was a real commitment from both parties. Someone I just talked to brought something up to me. I've never thought of it this way before. This was his theory. Our education system is set up in a flawed manner in that we go to school with people exactly our same age, like within a 12 month period of time. Right. And he talked to me about the arts in the theater. You are socially and in some ways, in terms of even your real education, if you're doing set school mm-hmm. or whatever, you have the experience and the perspective of people with such a wide range. And isn't that yes. a much more natural way, actually, yes. of being educated and growing up? Did yeah. you start to feel that yeah. when you were doing shows? I agree. I think that's an interesting point. It's um, being surrounded by kids where I was somewhat their elder and then also kids that were a little bit older than me, Um, but also being around adults, like being around cast members that kind of took us under their wing, that played our mothers that were probably in their early 20s at that point, you know, mid-20s dancers. And like, I felt like I got I got a lot more world experience than the kids around me that I was going back to school with every day. And I felt like just my my world experience was bigger and more expansive. And I absolutely agree with you. I think it is a fascinating idea. And my husband works in education. He would love this. Um, but <laughs> it's, it's, it's definitely something that I attest to the groundedness that I learned at a young age, the humility I learned at a, at a young age, the discipline I, I learned at that point. So I am 100% on board with that. And I think about that for like my daughter, like what what I, can I share with her through the arts or through these experiences that I had being around adults at a younger age, more than like kids my own age. And I think like being around, you know, of course we go to school with the kids because you're supposed to be in this developmental age where everything is, everybody's developing at the same time, but that's just not it. That's not it either. Like babies don't develop at the same time. You're one baby's, you know, rolling and one baby isn't like, it's not, it's the standardized testing bullshit that we, you know, we have in our, you know, U.S. education system. That's quite flawed. So yeah. Right. No, but even what you say, like even just the valuable experience of dealing with kids who are younger, they're not teaching you algebra, but they're certainly teaching you, you know, and you're showing you the world like things, right? (laughs) Exactly. And, and social interactions. And yes, as you said, people who are older as well, and even adults who, (laughs) Well, maybe sometimes they're not teaching you the right things to do, but at least you learn (laughs) through failure and bad experience. Um, Fascinating. Kevin, hi. Not not New York, but Texas. Mm -hmm. You were born and raised. Talk to me a little bit about your introduction into the arts. and, And at what age did you realize this is what you wanted to do? I don't really have a memory with me not being interested in the arts. I I didn't realize until much later, though, that it was something that I could pursue as more right. than just a hobby or right. an interest. I don't know if it was just being from Texas or that I was just a little slow or something. But I was like, you know, famous people do right. that. Like this is I, I wanted to be a meteorologist or an architect. <laughs> that was my plan. 
but I was always, stu- I was obsessed with MTV and music was my thing. Like I would always sing around the house. I would watch music videos and study. I would like, I would learn all the dances, all the choreography, mimic their movements and how they performed. And I had, I was the youngest of four. I am the youngest of four and we're all very spread out. So I also had a really um, great education and diversity of music because all of my siblings listened to different things. And so I would go to school and I would know these artists that know, going to sort of what you were just talking about with Jenna, education about being around people different ages. I had this breadth of musical knowledge that no one else my age did. Right. And I valued that really early on. But then my sister became an agent in Texas. She's 16 years older than me. She became an acting agent. (laughs) And I remember she was telling me they're auditioning for this movie. It was a sequel to a movie that I had loved. And I was like, I want to audition for it. What was the movie? It was, they're making a sequel to Little Rascals. (laughs) Okay. I don't think it ever got made. Um, Because they saw me, they're like, you know, let's not even bother. This is are you eighty five now? What do you mean a sequel to the (laughs) little little rascals that came out when we were kids and like in the nineties? I love that movie. That little rascals. (laughs) Okay, oh, it was the reboot of the little rascals. Yeah, not OG little rascals. (laughs) Like, like, I was a huge fan of the original. It's like, what are you talking about? Just got a facelift. He's just he got a lot of work done. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I look very good. When you met me, I definitely was not 17. Um, And so I forced her. She was not like a children's agent either. She was, you know, an adult agent. And she, I somehow wore her down and let, they let me audition. And then her agency signed me, you know, nepotism. Okay. And ever, then I started doing commercials in Dallas and things and started taking singing lessons and dance lessons and then she sort of suggested to my parents that, you know, maybe take me out to L.A. to try it. And we came out to L.A. I think it was 13 the first time. Okay. What year is this? Uh, oh, my God. What year was I born? 88? <laughs> it was probably like two, uh, 2003, 2002. You were born on June 14th, 1988, <laughs> yeah, Kevin. Yeah. So I think <sighs> we started coming out here like 2002, 2003. I just remember we drove to L.A. from Dallas. And when we drove back entering dallas i started to cry because i didn't want to be there and i just felt so at home in la and that everything felt artistic you know going back to middle school in texas it was just football and i didn't do anything extracurricular at school everything was outside of it and in la everyone was already doing that and Mm. so because i was the youngest my parents and i we moved out here sort of with the opposite mindset of stage parents where they were like, we want to get the hell out of Texas. <laughs> you want to get the hell out of Texas. So it was just, I'm going to go to high school in LA and see what happens. And then I go on auditions, but if it happens, it happens. And if it doesn't, it doesn't. And then, you know, I got into a boy band and <laughs> auditioned yeah, well, for that's, things. That's and... where we're going next. But I just, I don't want to make this awkward. You would have been three to seven years old. Were you aware of me? I went to SMU in Dallas. Were you aware of my, you mm-hmm. know, my prowess? I don't know what the word is I'm looking for. Everybody here. was. Everybody. Did you feel the energy of me in Dallas yeah, yeah, yeah. for those few not? years? Yeah. Maybe that's why you cried later on because I had left already. Yeah. It's like, well, he's like, not here. So what's the point? <laughs> what is the point? No. Um, yes, I was there wow. for four years. SMU. Wow. SMU has turned out some greats. SMU has turned out some greats. We're sitting with one right now. Me. um, No, Kathy Bates. Kathy Bates, of course. Greer Garson. I think that's right. Some greats. Okay, boy band. Yeah. So you go. Now, do you leave school? You can't leave school. You have to still be going to school at 13. Oh, yeah, yeah. You have to. So you you go to school out in California. So we end up moving to California when I was 15. Okay. It took a couple years to decide, like, what are we going to do? My brother closest in age to me, you know, went to college. And so we're like, okay, well, now I'm basically an only child. What do you guys want to do? <laughs> it, it, ever since like, my dad lost his job in 2001. And so he was sort of popping around, you know, when all that sort of like telecom thing he did sort of busted a little bit. And so everyone was looking for a change. I was obsessed with boy bands, obsessed with pop music. And there was a random audition. Um, I had a dance agent at the time. 
which is hilarious in hindsight because I'm not a good dance, have a dance agent. Yeah, I didn't know yeah. those existed. Was the oh, goal yeah. to be a boy oh, yeah. band artist? I don't think it was. I didn't think it was po- like again. Boy bands like NSYNC and Backstreet Boys were sort of like done. The craze was over. So I was like, I missed the boat. And then someone held auditions and I showed up and got it and then was in a boy band from like 14 until 19, basically. And what was it called? NLT. Jenna, Jenna don't you know this. <laughs> she yeah. clearly knows it is going to you. What does yeah. NLT stand for? That's my next question. What does it stand for, Kevin? <sighs> Not like them. Not like them. Yep. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. All boy band names are good. That's the thing about boy bands. <laughs> <laughs> they all make sense and they're all good. So, okay, there's so much to unpack here. Yeah, well, <laughs> your yeah. friend here is doing Broadway musicals. You're in a boy band. You yeah. love it, though. You always wanted to be in a boy band. Yeah. You're loving boy bands. Yeah, it was this great. is a dream for you. Mm-hmm. And you're in it for four or five years. Now, are you touring? We did. We eventually did a little touring. When we were young, there wasn't that much going to on. where? Like internationally no, or to it was just the U.S.? It, um, yeah, a lot of that. The, we did two tours. The first tour, we were in a 1-800 Cruise America RV following around. We opened up for the Pussycat Dolls. Oh. So, yeah. <laughs> I've heard of they that. Were, and these By beautiful the way, tour I, buses. I, wa- I want to be very, very clear. I am not making fun of Albuquerque. Okay, I want I want that on the record oh, here man. before anything before anything Somebody we go comes any further. For you. It's not New York City Broadway. Hashtag know? love Albuquerque. I was more saying, are you are you going to Paris right. or Mexico no. City or are we going to Albuquerque? No. Okay, now right. that that's it, it clear. was definitely very local. One eight hundred Cruise America tells the story there. Yeah. Um mm-hmm. okay. And then the it, second it was, tour was what? The second Private tour jet? we had no, we had proper tour buses. And at that point, a couple other people had ideas to put boy bands together. So we went on like a boy band tour to House of Blues all around America. Okay. Yeah. Wasn't very successful. I think. How many House of Blueses are there across America? There used to be a lot. Mm -hmm. There was a a time there were Mm pop-ups too. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It was before they all started closing. But yeah, we went all over the place. That was a while. And I relate to what Jenna was saying about being around older people in that time because we were the youngest people around. The music business is way, I don't know if I can cuss, but crappier. Say whatever you want. It's shittier than okay. the acting business. There's no equity. There's no SAG or AFTRA. It's just every man for themselves. And mm-hmm. my parents, or all of our parents in that, at that time, were all very aware of that and very protective. So they did a good job with that. But it's just like deals are bad. Everyone's screwing you over. We had, you know, we'd go to New York, audition for record labels. And so we had to learn as 15, 16 year olds how to be around these people and how to operate professionally and be a performer. And in high school, then I was during the daytime going to class at nighttime, going to the recording studio. Going, We got signed to Geffen, which was under Interscope. And so I remember there was a party we went and I met Stevie Nicks and Mary J. Blige. And then the next day going to school and no one has any idea that this is like what I'm doing at nighttime. That's crazy. But it was a very good, it was a really good education, especially with Glee coming because I did the touring. I did the dance rehearsals, I mm. recording studio, all of that. Don't press. tease. Don't take my tease. <laughs> God damn. <sighs> If you're a smoker or dipper looking to make a change, you really only need one reason to do it. But with Zen Nicotine Pouches, you can find many. Not only did Zen create the first ever nicotine pouch, we're still America's number one choice for smoke-free, spit-free nicotine satisfaction. It could be because Zen is made with only six simple ingredients, including naturally derived nicotine salt. Or maybe it's because Zinn is the only nicotine pouch with a 10-day trial. For anyone worried Zinn won't cut it like traditional tobacco, just ask one of the millions of people who have achieved lasting change. You have lots of options when it comes to nicotine satisfaction, but there's only one Zinn. 
find your Zin online or in a store near you at zin.com slash find. That's zyn.com slash find. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Are you a fan of Broadway musicals as a boy band member? Are you disdainful or dismissive or uninterested of that? <laughs> I was probably mostly uninterested. I Uninterested? I grew up, my mom took me to every touring show that came through Dallas. I was obsessed right. with Phantom of the Opera as a kid. Of course okay. you I'd, were. Yeah, I'd put on shows in my living room. <laughs> but besides that, I didn't necessarily have an interest um, and keeping up with it, what was happening on Broadway, I didn't really know that world. Yeah, there was not so much more of an indifference, I guess, towards musical theater. Okay. And now the same token, Jenna, as a, you're someone who's performing on Broadway. Mm. Now, are you a fan of boy bands at this time? Are you massive? Are you? Yeah, I didn't know NLT. No, but one I did. did do. I did know Dream Street. Oh yeah. Okay. And I did know. Obviously, in Sync and Backstreet Boys. Who are they? <laughs> no, I got, I'm just kidding. Okay. So, All yes, right. I was a big, I was a big. Oh, so you were a fan? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, definitely. It wasn't what I expected you to say. Oh, really? But actually, both of you said what I didn't expect you to say, <laughs> uh, which is why we asked the questions right. here. Um, <laughs> the hard I, questions. Uh, I, no, that's that's really interesting. Yeah. So, before we get to you guys' is, is meeting you guys this is yeah <laughs> yes um the the time you guys met kevin i actually met you before jenna you mm-hmm. were a very significant guest star on the office when you were 17 ish yeah. years of age how was that experience for you uh the delivery boy i believe yeah. was your title pizza delivery yeah. boy <laughs> from alfredo's what was that experience like for you and how much experience did you have at that time in film and television? It sounds like not a lot. Not a lot. It was, I think, my second guest star thing wow. ever. The other one was Zoe 101 on Nickelodeon. Wow. And yeah, it was a really, really big thing for me. The audition process was unlike anything I'd ever experienced where the callbacks, we were in the room with Steve and he came in and read with us. Oh, wow. You know, Steve Carell. I'll just say Steve. <laughs> um, <laughs> I was dying. I was so terrified. Uh, really? Oh, were God. you now, Were you a fan of the show? Oh, yeah. Okay. I was a, and I was a fan of the, the UK, UK version. Like, I was all about it. And Allison Jones, the casting director, is probably the only reason why I've had any sort of career. Because <laughs> she, when no one else did, kept giving me chances on everything. So I got really close and super bad. Uh-huh. She And then she just, you know, as if you get on TV and you, you become semi-recognizable, you get to skip a couple rounds of auditioning and you just get brought into the later rounds. 
I didn't have any reason to get brought in to automatically to later rounds for things. She just started doing that for me because mm. somehow she believed in me and it I really took that to heart and made me feel better when I would go into these rooms that she would bring me into. But yeah, I went in and auditioned with Steve and got it and I screamed and was freaking out. And then all of you were just so, so awful. No, so <laughs> nice. Um, I knew you were going to say that. I, I mean, I was, I was so intimidated, obviously, coming in there. It's like, these are these professional adults, and they're all talented and funny. And I felt like, you know, severe case of imposter syndrome. And everyone went out of their way to make me feel comfortable, to make me feel like I deserved to be there. Every one of you. And um, it was just really, really great. And also, what a great gig you guys had. Because, I mean, Jenna, those sets were pre-lit. Oh like, my God. oh my, the way they could set up something so quickly, Jeez, th they were on their them. own, they had their own stage. Oh God, it was the dream. Yeah. So you ruined it for anything else because. <laughs> I feel like you also got recognized, still. Oh, I get, get recognized, recognized from the office so often from that one episode and it's, it's absolute, I don't know how you go anywhere because I was in one episode and. You still do. I can't by the way, but you still do. <laughs> oh Yeah. <laughs> Oh yeah, that's a lot crazy because I went back and looked at those pictures and you do look quite different. Yeah. I mean, you are older. Let's be clear. Yeah. So am I, I guess that's how time <laughs> works. I'll explain it to you later. Wow. Well, that is very, very interesting. Uh, yeah. I would, I don't know that I would have thought that with, with everything that's come after still. <laughs> so you guys, to say the least, you have a very diverse training and backgrounds. Talk to me about Glee. How did the opportunities <laughs> come up for both of you? Um, were these just auditions first off? Yes. Yeah. Regular just auditions. Audition. Yes. Yep. Okay. And what did you have to do? Obviously, did you have to dance as well as sing as well you as think. act? You, you did not. No. Yeah. And they realized that was probably a mistake later on. I had to bring in some people <laughs> who could dance. Yeah. They're like nobody can dance. Yeah, not one. <laughs> not even everybody can sing. <laughs> we <laughs> um, no. I no, was I'm in kidding. the spring I was in Spring Awakening at the time, and it was the same casting director, Jim Carnahan in New York, who cast Spring Awakening, was also casting the New York side of Glee. And so we had it it was all a buzz in the theater, and they were like, Oh, there's this new musical theater TV show that's coming out, and everybody got brought in for it. Because right. The pilot also was like some of these characters like Artie and Tina were pretty nonspecific. And so I went in and um, everybody went in and we didn't have to sing for our first audition because they were like, I guess you're on Broadway. I guess you can sing. So I didn't have to sing in my first call. Um, I oh, just went on fair. tape. And just read, just read lines like in any other show. Yeah, yeah. And literally Tina's only line was a stutter. And she said, ah, 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 ah. And that's it. That was my entire audition, first audition. Well. God, that's all you did? They didn't yes. give you anything else? No. Nope. I don't even Stop think I knew it. that. Mm -hmm. That's it? <laughs> that was it. Wow. Well, I'm not going to say anything but. bad, but that they got to be more creative than that. This is yeah. poor people. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I mean, literally, by a weird stutter on one day, your entire life could be changed. Yeah, Sliding truly. doors. Check out the movie. <laughs> so... Kevin, what about you? Well, now you're in a boy band. That's right. Does that mean that they knew that you could sing or did you have to sing? They sure did not know I could sing. <laughs> okay. Uh, so we had to sing. You'd prepare a song. I read the script before. I remember I brought two friends with me. I was like, oh, this show shoots in New York. I don't know why I thought that. Um, really? Yeah. I don't know why. I, was, I had it probably mixed up with something else. Mm. And I went in and auditioned. And it wasn't an audition room. It was in Robert Ulrich who casted it. It was like in his office. And I just sat on the other side of the desk from him. And it was one of those what? places where the walls are really thin. So you can hear what everybody is doing. And Ulrich Dawson everybody... Kritzer. Is this what yep. you're talking uh -huh. about? Yep. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, my God. Those walls are really thin. They're okay, paper keep going. thin. <laughs> and so. <laughs> so awkward. Yeah. That's it's, what it's casting awkward directors... on a good day when there's no yes. singing. Yeah. Right. Oh, with singing. Brutal. I would die a yeah, thousand and that's, deaths. And that's how I felt because I, one, have terrible nerves auditioning, hate auditioning, <laughs> and then having to sing 
Like the first thing to like go when you get nervous is your voice. Your voice. Like your vocal cords just freeze up. And then you can hear what everybody's doing. It's just <laughs> so embarrassing. Mortifying. Oh, so God. I went in there. I sang Let It Be. I Never heard I, of it. Let It Be. It's a new I'm song. Kidding. These indie okay. artists. Um, <laughs> I intentionally only prepared like a verse and a chorus because the song is so slow. So I was like, I'm not going to bore them to death. Let me just Let me do this. You. Then I get to the end of the chorus and Robert goes, like, keep going. <laughs> keep going. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm a fake fan. I don't know the second verse of this. Oh, no. And so I, I don't know what I did. I think I sort of stumbled through saying, singing this first verse again and then went to the chorus again because I knew that. Wow. Um, and then I did the scenes. And then immediately, which also never happens, he's like, okay, so when you come back, and started oh. talking about the next audition. I was like, oh. what? That's nice. Okay, great. And then I went back two days later to Ryan's office at Paramount. And it, it went from being at Robert's desk to a boardroom, <laughs> basically. It was a full table of 15 people. Right. It, you know, in this gigantic room. Brad Ellis, who ended up being on the show and playing the piano, he was there. We went early to practice our songs with him. And I prepared two songs this time. Ended up still doing Let It Be. And yeah, it was a full cre- <laughs> I you learned per- the words. Did you? Yeah. I was Let prepared this time. Get to the second verse. Okay. Yeah. I, <laughs> it, it, and again, I was so... It wasn't that I was... Just, I don't think I was good at playing the character. I was just so nervous that that's what Artie became. Because that I did the song. Amazing. The nerves were Artie. And then I literally ran out of the room. And that was it. Like, I think wow. Ian Brennan, who's one of the creators of the show later, he told me, he was like, yeah, we knew from that immediately we wanted you. But I had to wait seven weeks to test because they hadn't found anybody else yet. Oh, my gosh. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Then I met Jen, Jen and I met in L.A. on the test. Yeah. Okay. So before we get there, apparently you just love name dropping single first names of famous people. So <laughs> Steve, we, for, now it's Ryan. Ryan Murphy is who he's talking about, the creator of Glee and many other shows. It's just hard when you know so many famous people, Ryan. Ugh. Just call me B. From now on, when you were like, well, yeah. I was just talking to B. Um, yeah. And it's not Beyonce. What? what? Oh, yeah. I guess. Did she take Damn. it? She did. First impressions are too soon at that point. You're, you're nervous around a board table. Of of Ryan Murphy and Co. Yeah, yeah. I don't. I it just sort of looked like the Last Supper to me. Okay, <laughs> where it was a lot of people. I didn't really know much about Ryan. I know who he is in that in that famous photo. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was definitely. Um, it was like he. It it did look like the Last Supper. <laughs> okay, stop. That's crazy. Amazing. Yeah. Okay, so you guys test and you meet mm-hmm. friendly right away. Do you remember meeting each other at the test? Oh, like yeah. later on. Yeah. yeah, we weren't necessarily, I think we were all nervous talking. It's one of those things. It's also weird because you're in the room with the person you're testing against. Right. So there was Chris Colfer, who was testing against himself, basically, for Kurt Hummel. And then there was um, me and another girl who tested for Tina, both from New York. And then there was Kevin and another person from New York also testing for Artie. So there are five of us in the room. We all arrive. This is our first network test ever, all of us. And Chris and I had met two days prior for the studio test. So we were sitting there in silence. Like, this is the weirdest thing ever. And they're like, and by the way, you can't leave until everybody finishes their auditions. You're like, what is this jail? And so, like, it was really weird. Um, And then we're all sitting there pretty silently. I had just literally flown in on a red eye from a show the night before. So I had flown in on a red eye. They put me up at the Intercontinental. They let me shower. And then I had to walk my ass to Fox and get in that room. And we're sitting there and all of a sudden we hear like a gust of wind and like Ryan Murphy walks in and he's like, hey guys, are you nervous? Don't be nervous. We just want you to be, I feel happy and excited. We're nervous as you are. And then like walks away and you're like, okay. Um, (laughs) That didn't help. It, and, and in some weird way, it did. He, like, yeah, broke the ice a little bit. And then we all, like, kind of smiled and laughed at each other. And that was that. was that. Yeah. Acknowledging the elephant in the room. Like, this is a 
sort weird. of fucked up situation. <laughs> Good luck. So weird. It is a weird situation. Anytime I tell, I, and I don't even know if I've talked about it on this. Anytime I tell people who are not in our industry about that experience, which is essentially <laughs> you have pre-negotiated your life away for seven years. Mm -hmm. Sorry, you have pre-negotiated your life away potentially mm -hmm. for seven years and it's done as long as they sign it, <laughs> basically. Yeah. You've signed it away. Right. It's done. Right. They're just hanging on to that piece of paper. <laughs> and if not, you have literally put yourself through a torture for no reason. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know how much money you'll be making. Yes. You, and for us, we signed, to it included touring and albums. Album contracts. And merchandising. Oh, really? And we were nobodies. So we had no... I know you concept. Know, They're like, are you sure clout. you want to sign this? I'm like, are you joking? Of course I'm going to sign this. You yeah. know? Pre-negotiated your tour rights and merchandise? Everything. Because Everything. High School Musical had happened a couple of years before. Right. And they weren't, their first tour, they weren't locked into a deal. Oh, and, really? And so High School Musical ended up, those kids made a mm. lot of money on tour. Well, and Fox also had American Idol, which they had also, like, some right. experience in this, like, this realm. So it was like a 360 deal. Yeah. Wow. The journey to a smoke-free future can be a long and winding road. But if you're ready for a change, consider taking Zen for a spin. Zen nicotine pouches offer a fresh way to discover your nicotine satisfaction anywhere, anytime. No smoke, no spit, and no lingering odor. Ready to start your new journey? Get in gear with the Zen 10 Challenge. Enjoy Zen nicotine pouches for 10 days and discover a fresher way to experience nicotine satisfaction anywhere, anytime. Here's how to get started with the Zen 10 Challenge. Simply pick your strength and varieties online and check out. Once your Zen nicotine pouches arrive in the mail, enjoy pure nicotine satisfaction at your leisure. After your 10-day trial, let us know what you think. If Zen isn't for you, no hard feelings. It's that simple. Order online at Zen.com. That's Z-Y-N.com to start your new journey today with the Zen 10 Challenge. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment... Oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Spoiler alert, you both get it. Um, <laughs> how many years were you working together? Six. I mean, it was seven years, but six seasons because we, right? how we shot it. Yeah. Six and a half years. It's a long time. Yeah. And you, the two of you close from the beginning or was this a relationship that needed time to cook? Close and, from the beginning. Yeah. Immediately. We were close. Yeah. There was um, Chris, me, Amber, and Kevin. 
had been brought together to start rehearsing some of the the music very early on. We were brought out to shoot the pilot, but we were brought out, I was brought out from New York weeks before to rehearse for the pilot. So it's not like a normal TV show where you, you know, have a table read and then you show up on the day and you start shooting like the pilot. It was like weeks of rehearsal before we started this show. So like Don't Stop Believing, there were like five different versions of this song that we had rehearsed. And every time Ryan would come in and be like, mm, not right. And then leave. <laughs> what? And um, yeah, and and you know, Chris and I had come from Chris came from Clovis, California. He like he he drove down and stayed in LA and I had flown out from New York. And so we we spent a lot of time together, the four of us, because we didn't have a lot of friends or anybody in LA. We were right. here solely for Glee. Okay. Uh, by the way, I have heard stories from some of your crew. How do you get these musical numbers done in the number of days you have to shoot? We did. How is this achieved? Just blood and sweat and tears? Literally. The show was always scheduled to, I mean, an hour show was normally scheduled to shoot for eight days. That's right. I think maybe we made eight days a handful of times. Never. In those six years. But I think realistically, what? T- 10, probably 10. Yeah, probably okay. 10. So we would start doubling up on episodes. But the, the musical numbers, they they had to basically anytime the, uh, you know, quotes, the adults, Matt Morrison or Jane Lynch, anytime they were filming and then we weren't with them, we were in right. dance rehearsal or the recording studio. Like sometimes, you know, your lunch break involves you getting in a car and eating on the way to the recording studio. Putting down a song for a half hour, turning around and getting back into uh, touch-ups to go back to set. Yeah. So it was... It was intense. <laughs> they didn't, you didn't have a recording studio on, uh, on your no, set? No, that would have really actually helped. But we Recording studios are expensive. <laughs> they're very expensive. And we didn't spend a ton of time at the recording studio. You'd be pretty... Unless you were doing like a you know, a, a massive solo song. Like you were, you were in and out pretty quickly. The beginning we spent efficient. more time. Yeah. There was for some reason more time. So as it got going, we would later on the, as the years went by, that's when we'd have like those very quick lunch break turnaround things. But mm-hmm. the first 13 episodes of the first season, we were sometimes in the recording studio for like half a day mm-hmm. because everyone was still figuring out the formula. What this was, right. Yeah. So, you know, once we got through that, then there were demo singers who were doing each of our parts and all of that was planned out before we ever entered. So we were just going in and copying somebody to save time. Mm-hmm. But in those early days, Adam Ryan Anders, who was there. the music producer, and yeah, Ryan would be there and they're figuring out our voices, what can our voices do, who sounds best together, right? that sort of thing. So the musical numbers, essentially, like logistically, as you as we got into them, they um, they built the stage to scale from the the stages we shot on the auditorium that we shot on in Long Beach because the first season we were driving back and forth to Long Beach in, in order to do musical numbers and we were exhausted and so was it second season or back nine yeah again? it was no they had finished it like just four or five episodes into season two they built us the stages thank God <laughs> the auditorium and um, essentially. As guest directors would come in, new ones that weren't returning, they would have to kind of learn the formula of how to get this done. And it was very much like a pain by numbers at that point. Like camera new, you go, you start from the back, you get the crane if you want it, you move up, you get the two on the side, we get the dolly, we get the steady, we bring the steady cam on stage, you turn it around, you get their reactions, you get behind our legs and our feet, and then you're out. And it it essentially started to take like a seven, eight hour day oh, scene to do a musical number versus Don't Stop that took like a day and a half. Wow. Yeah. I remember the goal was always to try to finish one of those big musical numbers by lunch, <laughs> but we'd always have to come back and do... Turn around. And, yeah. Turn around yeah. or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's crazy. Wow. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of talk on Reddit what would Uh-oh. you say oh, is no. the craziest <laughs> Glee storyline of all time? Oh, God. Oh, um, God. Kevin has an STD. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Me talking about STDs. Um, um, the craziest. You know, I, I have to say, I mean, in the very beginning, like the hysterical pregnancy was pretty crazy. 
like that was that was a wild storyline and then plotting to steal a student's baby so like right. you know that happened in- immediately <laughs> like there was no time to like oh no right. that's just a part of glee that's just baked baked in this that was is a pretty uh, wild one yeah what about quinn getting in a car accident that was gonna be my second one yeah. And then being in a wheelchair for a while. So like her and Artie got some time together and then she magically healed and was okay. And then right? he's saying, I'm still standing. Which was very uncomfortable and cringy. <laughs> that was a really weird one. That was weird. That was weird. Um, I have uh, I have a quiz. Uh-oh. Well, we're going to fail. So we're definitely going to fail. Glee pilot edition. Okay. Two fine. truths and a lie. Okay. Great. Actually, pilot we know, I think. All right. <laughs> Two truths and a lie. Number one, Emma's parents were ginger supremacists. Two, we're going to fail this, aren't we? Will Schuster belly danced in the library. Three, there was a school riot about a tater tot ban in the cafeteria. Two truths and a lie. What's the lie? I think I have a guess, one. Jenna. Do you have a guess? Yeah. I think the second one. Um, belly dancing. The belly dancing was a, a lie. lie. You're saying the belly dancing never happened. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, sorry, that wasn't just in my imagination. Correct. You win. Okay. That was you close. Win. <laughs> that that was close. That would have been really embarrassing. I, no, it wouldn't have been. I would fail many, many a quizzes, but uh, <laughs> that was fun. I got to bring that back. Great job, producers. <laughs> Coming up with that one. I like, I like the looks that. on your faces. Of your horror and shock. Yeah. <laughs> um, you guys are going back. You're going back to school. Yeah. That's right. There was a transition. We're masochists. <laughs> Kevin, we are. Listen, listen how I do this. Uh, you're going back to school, and that's what you really missed. New podcast. Are you having fun? You're cool. back together. Yeah. So that's yeah. good. Which yeah, is great. It's always great. It's, it's always easy nice. with each other, yeah. you know? Yeah. No, we are. We're enjoying it. We're enjoying yeah. the podcast. Obviously, we've done this before. So it's um, an interesting idea. But <laughs> we're grateful to um, be reimagining and rebranding. And this take is a bit more intentional and a bit more honest and raw and open about people's experiences on the show. And, you know, we're just kind of taking a deeper dive. So it's definitely, yes, we are enjoying ourselves. Yeah. And you're you're doing a benefit, I understand. Yes. Uh, raising fun and awareness. Well, you had a castmate. Do you want to talk about Naya yeah. Rivera a little bit? Yeah, yeah our, our castmate Naya Rivera, um, who passed away a couple of years ago, she um, was a big supporter of Alexandria House, which is this incredible um, local LA organization that helps women and children who are in need of transitional housing. And after she passed away, we, you know, we're looking for anything to do to do good and also sort of honor her memory amongst us, you know, her coworkers and friends. And she used to throw these crazy, amazing Christmas parties called Snicksmas because her nickname was Snicks. And they were like extravagant Christmas parties. She did every year at her home? Yeah. She'd invite all the crew and cast. She would have like carolers at the front. There was a Santa sleigh. There was like the DJ was in a, a tower at one point. Like they cover covered the pool up her and pool, the ice skating rink, made a dance rink. studio, uh, the dance floor. Like it was, she, I was like, when did, who negotiated your contract? Because you know, truly. She would tell me, she's like, I think I'm going to spend this much money. I was like, why? Like nobody. <laughs> she loved hosting a party. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so Snicksmas was um, an annual event. And so we thought, what better way than for the holidays to raise funds for Alexandria House, keep Naya's memory alive, and keep Snicksmiths alive. Um, and so that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. It's and it's it's our third, which I can't believe we're already at our third Snicksmiths. And this year, you know, iHeart has been incredibly generous to allow us to use their theater in Burbank. And we are doing our first in-person event in Los Angeles on December 6th and then December 8th, where it's going to be live streamed for those who can't make it. Um, and all the live streamers who have been there with us over Zoom the last couple of years as well. Like, this is really a grassroots operation is what we call it. The, there's no donation that is too small. Um, I think the first year we raised over a hundred thousand dollars and the average donation amount was probably ten dollars so it was pretty um that's incredible yeah Yeah. pretty mind-blowing so we're really excited about it yeah december the 6th seven o'clock 
the iHeart Theater there in what is Johnny Carson used to say, beautiful downtown Burbank. That's right. Um, <laughs> congratulations. Thanks, you guys, for Thank doing you. that. I'm excited for you. Everyone's talking about the podcast. Congratulations <laughs> on that. I'm glad you guys are back together and doing Thanks. it. It's really, you. it's really fun, and it's great to see both of you again. Let's do it. Let's do it more often. Yeah. yeah. For sure. Thanks for having us. Oh, we should have, you know, there was an episode of The Office where they referenced my character on Glee. Yeah. So maybe we need to have you come on to our show and we can talk mm. about Ooh. that episode. Now is crossover. That one, is that the viewing party where we have yeah. a Glee viewing party? Yep. I love it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love it. Was it was really meta and I loved it and I appreciated it. Very meta. Yeah. I all I can remember right now is I think that's where I ate pigs in a blanket in a blanket. Yeah, that sounds yes. familiar to me. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, and thank you again. Classic. Like you you were all so so great to me when I was on that show and it really helped me and informed me how when I became a regular on a show to hopefully be, you know, a fraction as accommodating and welcoming as you guys were to me. So, well, thanks for that. No, and you know, I could make a joke right now, but I but I won't because I think it's no 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 because I think honest to God, look, we were we were a cast of grown-ups, if you will. And I guess what I mean by that is so many of us had failed pilots or had been in the theater. And so everybody felt grateful and lucky to be there. Mm -hmm. And and a lot of us had been on the other side of it and knew how that felt. And it's like, I don't know, this is what I always say. It's it takes just as much energy to be nice as it does to be an asshole. Mm -hmm. So why not yeah. choose that? And ultimately it's a better work environment, right? That's so good. yeah. Thank okay. you for saying that. Congrats, you guys. Thank you thank for doing you. this Snixmas stuff and uh happy holidays. You too. You too. I'll see you in the new year. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks, Brian. See ya. Jenna, Kevin, thank you so much for joining me today. It was great catching up. You're awesome. I can't wait to listen to your new podcast. And thank you for keeping the Snixmas spirit alive. Merry Snixmas, everyone. Listeners, I hope you enjoyed the episode. I'm going to see you next week for another interview on Off the Beat. It's going to be a good one. More stories, more laughs, more of everything. I'll catch you then. We're coming into the holiday season. Who could it be? Maybe Santa. Off the Beat is hosted and executive produced by me, Brian Baumgartner, alongside our executive producer, Ling Lee. Our senior producer is Diego Tapia. Our producers are Liz Hayes, Hannah Harris, and Emily Carr. Our talent producer is Ryan, Papa Zachary, and our intern is Sammy Katz. Our theme song, Bubble and Squeak, performed by the one and only Creed Bratton. The journey to a smoke-free future can be a long and winding road. But if you're ready for a change, consider taking Zinn for a spin. Zinn nicotine pouches offer a fresh way to discover your nicotine satisfaction. Anywhere, anytime. No smoke, no spit, and no lingering odor. Get in gear with the Zinn 10 Challenge and enjoy 10 smoke-free, spit-free days for just $5.95. Order online and start your new journey today. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. 
I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350-plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play.